Welcome to the Mama Needs a Moment podcast. We're your hosts, Cindy and Chrissy, co-founders of Her Health Collective. We are two moms obsessed with changing the ideals and expectations of motherhood. Every other week, we dive into the topics that matter to moms most, answering your most pressing questions as we learn from top-notch experts, swap stories, tap into our creative sides, and advocate for the causes that moms truly care about, all while hanging with your mom friends. We are so glad you're here. Let's dive in. We are so excited to be here with Christina Delaney today. Christina is a registered nurse, perinatal mental health advocate, and founder of the nonprofit Cherished Mom. Christina works to promote awareness and education for perinatal mental health and the importance of self-care to new moms, families, healthcare professionals, and the community. Pull up a chair and listen as we dive into Christina's story. Learn how her scary and life-changing experience with postpartum psychosis completely altered the course of her life. Christina's story is fascinating and raises important considerations on how our society takes care of its mothers. Every mom needs to hear what Christina has to say. Christina, it is such a joy to have you here with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Hi. Welcome. It's a pleasure. So good. So we're going to just dive in and we're actually going to start with some rapid fire questions. We kind of do this Brene Brown style because we're both obsessed with Brene Brown, but um, Love you, Brene. Who, who, who isn't right. <laughs> but we figure this is a good way also just to kind of get to know you and have our moms get to know you. So uh, first one is a fill in the blank. Motherhood is hard. It's really hard. And we don't talk enough about, you know, how hard it is. And so, yeah, I would say it's just hard. Absolutely. Yeah. We definitely don't talk about that enough. Cleanest room in your house. <laughs> I saw that question. I was like, uh, um, is there a clean room in my <laughs> house know, right, right now? I don't pause. know that there is. My half bath. Yeah. The one, the one, one that nobody uses. <laughs> well, the kids use it probably the most, but it's probably the cleanest because it's the smallest. (laughs) Yeah. It's easy Um, to wipe down, right? (laughs) Yeah. What is bringing your life sanity right now? Bringing my life sanity right now is probably the after school program for my kiddos and them helping me out and allowing them to go in person and when they were virtual, because they, we were just talking about this, they just went back yesterday. But before that, they were allowing them to go to a school and do their virtual work. And that was a lifesaver for me. So I would say that. Absolutely. It's so hard juggling everything right now. It's just what we hear all moms across the board saying. So after school programs for the win. Yes. <laughs> what do you look for in a mom friend? I look for in a mom friend realness, just the ability to be vulnerable with each other and just be open and honest and, you know, yeah. Best vacation you've ever taken? Best vacation actually was this year in December. We went on to 
Pigeon Forge. I don't know what made it so good, but it was our anniversary trip to Pigeon Forge. And it was just me and my husband and just time together and being away. And it was, we didn't plan much, but just time and being together. People, people can't see this, but when you said it was actually this year, like I, my whole body just kind of like got up in excitement because I was not expecting that. <laughs> yeah. Um, Did so you go to that, the um, awesome. Titanic exhibit there? I think there's a Titanic we didn't go this year, but we have been to that before because Pigeon Forge is only an hour away from us. So oh, that that's awesome. Fun. I still have never been. It's on, it's on our Me list. Either. We have had some friends that have recommended it. Okay. One thing you would like to learn. One thing I would like to learn is how to sew. Me too. But to get <laughs> I me... can't even sew a button. Yeah. <laughs> I did sew a button on our way from here to, because I'm from Raleigh, to Raleigh one time, actually in the last six months, because I had to sew a button on my husband's shirt. So I did do that. How did it turn out? I think it's still on. (laughs) (laughs) YouTube for the win. Yeah, Um, right. We won't go into my thing about buttons. That's for another time. (laughs) I got a thing for buttons. I don't like. (laughs) Like sewing buttons or you like to sew them? This is so, people are going to be like, Cindy's weird. <laughs> they kind of gross me out sometimes. Buttons gross me out? <laughs> yeah. Buttons do. Y'all should see their faces. <laughs> They're both looking at me like I'm an alien with like three heads. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that's true. That's there, a new one. Was, yeah. That's it's like this one. quirky thing. Uh, it, I mean, I'll have to share this. Maybe in a newsletter. Sign up for a yeah. newsletter. <laughs> so we'll never see Cindy with buttons. I do wear buttons. I do wear buttons. It's for when they fall off. <laughs> I am so intrigued. We're going to have an additional conversation about this. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay. Christina, what do you like to do on a Friday night? On a Friday night, the kids have deemed Friday nights as movie nights. So usually we're watching movies with the kids. A family movie? Nights. Like it's a family movie? Mm-hmm. Do you do pizza with that too? Because that's what our usually. family does. Yeah. Usually. Yeah. Because it's pretty, it's like pizza. universal across right. the country now. Yeah. yeah. Once we you, do one thing, it's like have to do it every every same night of the week. So all about those routines. Uh-huh. What are you reading or watching right now? I don't really read unless it's a blog or an article. Which was not a reader, but watching we have during this whole thing have gotten into Netflix series and the arrow. We are watching the arrow on I Netflix. I love the arrow, yes. The um, arrow? That's on uh-huh. Netflix. Oh, I haven't watched that one yet. It's a really good one. So every night we watch like two or three episodes. And I mean, Stephen Amell is gorgeous. Oh, <laughs> so this sounds great. That's okay. a really good one. Last rapid fire question. How do you picture your empty nest days? Glorious. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. Well, you're Quiet. far from empty nest. Quiet. <laughs> you've got some, you've got some youngins, don't you? Yeah. I would, I would imagine them quiet and less messy. Yeah. Well, you're, you're far from it. Maybe not glorious that, and maybe it's not a good answer. No, it's fine. We all understand. There'll be like a peacefulness to it. Right. It'll be, yeah. But you uh, officially, you're busy. You're a busy mom. Mm -hmm. You are the founder and president of Cherished Mom, 
And Cherish Mom is dedicated to promoting awareness and education for uh, perinatal mood disorders to moms, families, healthcare professionals, and the community. Can you tell us more about the work Cherished Mom is doing to support mothers? Yeah, sure. So we, thank you. And yeah, so definitely was not ever work that I intended to get myself into, especially in the nonprofit space. But Cherished Mom, we have support groups and educational materials and resources, and we provide care packages and incentives um, after watching our videos. So we just provide, are really dedicated to providing that education and support to moms and families, because that is just what we think is so vital and important around new motherhood. Lovely. Love that. Can you tell us a bit about your own personal story and what led you to the nonprofit profit world and founding Cherish Mom? Sure. Yeah. So I had my own experience with the rarest of the mood disorders, postpartum psychosis. And I spent two weeks in the psychiatric unit after my second was born when she was five and a half months old. And I tell people, you know, I, I never reached out for help, even though I me and my husband, you know, talked about it a couple times and I had the risk factors. I had the signs and symptoms of postpartum depression. It was never diagnosed. I was never screened for it. And even at your, your six week postpartum, I can't remember filling out that form. I could have, but I don't remember specifically. And I even had a nurse come into our home with both of our kids. And I don't remember those questions or a form being filled out. And so I suffered for months with undiagnosed postpartum anxiety and depression. I was very rageful and my mind just completely did a 180. And I thought Jesus was returning and I was very hallucinatory and very paranoid. And so my husband been called 911 and the paramedics came and we were in a townhouse at the time and all the, you know, police department came, the EMS came, the firefighters came, everyone was there. And so they took me to the ER and I stayed there for three nights, I believe it was, in the psychiatric ER holding. Um, We were only 45 minutes away from UNC, um, which is the number one place for moms who are going through something like that. That was in Greensboro, but they didn't have a bed for me. So I had to go to a general inpatient unit uh, where I spent two weeks and it was just not an appropriate place for a mom with, it was a co-ed unit and I had a 24 seven sitter with me because I was suicidal and that was to protect me and to protect others. And They treated me with antipsychotics, antidepressants, an occasional injection to calm me down. I don't remember a lot of it. I do have my hospital records now that I got a couple of years ago. Reading them was very interesting. I found out things that my husband didn't even know. Um, And I was discharged probably sooner than I should have been, um, but it was clear that I was not going to get any better being in that environment. And it was my goal to get back to my children because I, I thought I was in hell on earth and it was a very scary place to be. But when I was discharged, I couldn't be by myself. I couldn't uh, be with my children by myself. I couldn't go back to work. I couldn't um, drive. There was a lot of stipulations put on me, which I know the reason now, but I think it's so important to talk about why they're doing those things and 
why these things are happening. And, and we don't, we don't do a good job with that. Uh, Cause a lot of these medications, you know, that's why we need to, that's why the medic, those stipulations were put in place because not only was I still paranoid and outside of my mind a little bit, you know, those medications, they had pretty big risk factors too. And so I had to go to intensive outpatient therapy, which was group therapy every day for three hours. And I was not a big fan of it. I tried my best to get out of it every chance I could. And I did. I was successful every now and then. And then about two weeks, which it was interesting that it happened about exactly two weeks. I got sick of everything. And me and my husband were driving around with our the baby in the back seat, and we were arguing. And I just, I can't remember exactly what was going through my mind, but I just, I tried to jump out of the truck. And he was very quick to lock the lock button. Um, but at that point, I had to go back and get an evaluation. And they, I'm pretty sure they didn't let me get out of the intensive group therapy at all after that. Um, I had to go every single day, but they sent me back home. And at that point, all the knives and guns, and we only had one gun in the house, I think, but all of it was removed. If I needed a knife to cook, I had to ask for it. We, I didn't get it back or they wouldn't, weren't put back where they would normally be until we moved eight months later. And that was to Tennessee. And so I, it didn't take me long to start sharing my journey with postpartum psychosis, um, which is what it was. I don't know if I've, I had named it yet, but because I had never heard of it. Um, and when I followed up with my OBGYN and because I thought that would be important. And I told him I'm a registered nurse. I didn't know anything about this. I didn't learn about it in nursing school. He hadn't seen it in 10 years. And he told me that's a heck of a way to find out about it. And I didn't know any better of how to respond at that time. And it didn't really affect me until about two and a half years ago when I said, this is not okay. Women need to know what to look for. Their partners need to know what to look for. We need to be talking about these things and we need to normalize this conversation. And yeah. so I'd already been telling my story for quite some time. And so I quit my job and I went into full-time advocacy and it led me to, in a very short time, it led me to the nonprofit sector to start my nonprofit, Cherished Mom, and really to be geared towards education and trying to be really focused on being sure that all moms are educated about perinatal mental health. And so that is our primary focus and not just education, but support as well and kind of tying those in together. And so that is why I do what I do. And it's a God-given passion of mine and I didn't go through what I did for nothing. I truly believe that. And I think that I've been given this story and am able to use my knowledge and expertise as a nurse to connect with the, the healthcare community as well. And so that's, you know, why I do what I do. And um, I hope to, you know, change the landscape and not only just for moms now, but, you know, for my own, my own daughters, because they, they face a greater risk because I, I went through what I did. So you mentioned risk factors. Can you just kind of very briefly touch on what some of those risk factors are? Yeah. So, you know, infertility is one that we don't talk about very often, but if, if moms go through 
infertility, that treatments or loss, miscarriages, those are some risk factors. Multiple births, birth trauma are ones that we don't often talk about. If they have a previous history of mental illness or postpartum depression with a previous birth, those are ones uh, bipolar history in themselves puts them at a risk for postpartum psychosis, which I didn't have any history myself. I didn't have any history of mental health disorders, but I had a family history of bipolar disorder. So that puts me at risk. And that that's just very, a very important piece of the puzzle is family history, especially that the bipolar piece. And uh, there's, there's a lot we don't talk about as far as risk factors. I think I already mentioned it, but birth trauma. Yeah, sure. That's a one we don't talk about. And it's not trauma that others perceive so much, but what is trauma to us? Trauma to us may be different than what others think trauma is. And so those are just a few. So in the beginning, when you were talking, you had mentioned that you were experiencing a few signs and symptoms. Would you be able to, since postpartum psychosis is so rare and it sounds like it's, it's a, a very scary experience to go through, would you be able to talk a little bit about the signs and symptoms that you were experiencing so that if any of our listeners experience it or know anyone that might be experiencing it, that they can help them right away? This episode is sponsored by Her Circle, the supportive and welcoming community for moms created by Her Health Collective. Her Circle is a welcoming and supportive community for moms who are passionate about making change for themselves, their families, the community, and the world. Together, this village of women are revolutionizing the way moms take care of themselves. From an active, private online community and the incredible daily chats hosted there, to our many virtual gatherings, including support groups, Moms Night Out, volunteer opportunities, book club, family adventures, coffee chats, and so much more. We love providing moms the chance to connect and create authentic relationships with one another. The network of experts in her circle are a phenomenal resource and provide great learning experiences for moms on topics ranging from women's health to parenting. We cover the issues that matter to moms the most, from virtual expert Q&As to one-on-one Wellness Minute consultations and support groups. We are committed to getting moms in front of the information, experts, and support they need most. To learn more about Her Circle, head to www.herhealthcollective.com slash her-circle. We have a limited number of spaces and the doors only open a few times a year. So be sure to add your name to the no obligation waitlist so you are the first to know when the doors officially reopen. So yes, postpartum psychosis is extremely rare. It's one to two in a thousand. And there's a fine line between postpartum OCD and postpartum psychosis or even postpartum depression and psychosis because many women experience, most women even, and new moms experience intrusive thoughts and having those intrusive thoughts where, oh, what if something happens to my baby? What if I do X, Y, Z to my baby? And what if this happens or any of those type of thoughts? A lot, that is very common. The, the difference between 
that and postpartum psychosis is someone with postpartum psychosis will have that thought and it will not scare them. And that is where the delusional thinking and the the thought of, and usually it's a thought of wanting to protect the child. This may happen or I need to do this because God told me so or I need to protect them from further harm. And it it doesn't scare the person with postpartum psychosis or they don't think it's abnormal. Um, And that that is the difference with the thoughts with postpartum psychosis. If any mom is having any bizarre thinking that is, is not followed up with, why am I having that thought? Or something like that, any hallucinations, anything like that, paranoia, then she needs to get treatment. She needs to get help. And postpartum psychosis, it's rare, it is treatable, and it's urgent. It's an emergent situation that the the person experiencing it has to get help because if it's not treated, then that's when the emergencies happen and the tragedies can happen. So hopefully I answered your question. Oh, absolutely. You You had touched on this before, How did you know, was there an intervention for you in order for you to get help? What pushed you to take the step to get help? I didn't get help. My husband called 911 for me because I was making statements like Jesus is coming back and I quit my job, which was not like me. I went to check on our pastor, sat down in his office that day, which was not like me, doing things that are very outside of my norm. And So that led him to saying, this is not right. This is not normal. Something is wrong where I need to call 911 and get her help. So it wasn't me getting the help. And oftentimes with postpartum psychosis, the mom is completely outside of reality where someone needs to intervene for her. It sounds like you had a really great support system through your husband. I mean, he really was there and and observant and took action when it was needed. I did. I did. He had no clue what was going on, but he knew there was a problem that something needed to happen. So yes, he was amazing. It was very scary for him because at some points I didn't know who he was. He didn't know. I think the first night and into the second morning, they didn't know what was going on. They didn't know what the problem was. And he didn't know it was even going to be better. So it was a very scary experience for him. And he even spent the first night when I was in the ER, psychiatric ER, in his truck in the parking lot because he couldn't stay with me. So it was a very scary experience, you know, not just for the mom, but for the family as a whole. And so, yeah, I think, you know, there needs to be so much more support around uh, women that go through this and their families, more, you know, kind of holding their hands a little bit, yeah. letting them know what's going on. Because edu- education too, yeah. I, it just awareness of, of the issue. What does treatment, like is treatment indefinite? Like it, it needs to continue on indefinitely? What does that look like? So I went to the intensive outpatient and then I got my own therapist and psychiatrist after about three or four weeks of the intensive outpatient program. And I had to be on antipsychotics for about a year. And then, and it's different for everybody, but typically the antipsychotics for a year and mine was mixed with uh, anti 
antidepressants as well. And I'm off the antipsychotics and I just take an antidepressant. Every time I go back to my general practitioner, they're like, we can wean you off the antidepressants. And I'm like, no, we cannot. Stop, no. <laughs> I'll, I'll keep them. Thank you. I don't think we want to know what happens when I'm not on them. <laughs> so. Christina, you had mentioned that your child at the time was five months old. This was your first child. It was my second. Your so. second. Mm-hmm. And out of curiosity, were you nursing at the time that this had all happened? What what was the what did the care look like for the kids and where you were in your parenting? So I had quit breastfeeding about a few weeks prior to that. I think it was just a perfect storm of not breastfeeding. My period came back while I was in the hospital, which led, you know, all other sorts of thoughts. But they, she was on a bottle at that time. And so, you know, the care, my husband was still, was working. And fortunately, his job at that time was very, very understanding. He would come visit me before he went to work, during his lunch break, after he went to work, and then he would have to go get the kids from daycare and go back home and take care of the kids because he could only visit me during those times for, I think, 30 minutes at a time. And our family was coming in from Raleigh and Tennessee every other week, trying to help out the best they could. And, you know, that's the other thing about, you know, caregiver leave, you know, we call it paid parental leave, but better term is caregiver leave. Because once you get that far out, if a mom is experiencing that or a a parent, if, if my, something happened to my parents, I would become their caregivers. So, you know, we need better caregiver leave so we can take care of what is going on within the family unit as a whole. So I think one of his coworkers donated a week that he was able to use, um, but he was still working pretty much the entire time. And it, it was, it was a lot. Gosh, your your story is just, yeah, mind blowing and emotional. And thank you for being willing to share it. And for all of the work that you do and advocacy work that you do, it's so important. The education piece, the awareness and, and the support you mentioned women needing this handholding. And it, it's so true. It, it's such a stage of life that is so new and so novel and so uncertain. Um, and especially if a woman is facing any of these mental health issues, then, then it really is. You are the recipient of the prestigious 40 Under 40 Award for the efforts in your community. Is this the pinnacle of your career? What comes next? I wasn't expecting it, but I... I... It's truly honored. And I think it goes to show the, you know, how important this work is. And it is it's certainly thankless work. And I think that it was just a way for the community to say thank you in a way. And, and a little pat on the back to keep going. Because, you know, until my daughters have a place to, you know, that's appropriate to be when they have children, you know, I I ain't stopping. (laughs) Um, And so, and we're not there yet. And so I I think it was just an encouraging encouragement is what it was. Wow. Did they, how did they tell you, did they come and knock on your door and they (laughs) had balloons and confetti (laughs) and (laughs) big check? Uh, Yeah. that's what I was thinking. Like Like publishers clearing house. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
Cindy had high expectations. <laughs> I know, right? Let's celebrate. This is a big deal. <laughs> no, it was a phone call and to let me know. And I was like, it, you know, it was exciting. It was an exciting phone call to get. And I kept it quiet for a long time. Um, so until we actually had the ceremony and um, we got all dressed up and my mom came in and it was just a fun evening out. And then you were in the local paper, right? Yes, it was in the their magazine. So good yeah. for you. Yeah, it was fun. Such an honor. So if you had a magic wand and you can wave this magic wand and change one thing about postpartum care in our country, what would you want to change and why would you want to change it? I, you know, would want to change the way that I would want to change everything about postpartum care. (laughs) You know, just the way that women are treated after they have a baby. That's it. Because if, if we can change that and the stigma around it, because you know, once women have a baby, it's all about the baby and we forget about the mom, but there's a mom and she just pushed a giant watermelon out her vagina. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) She needs care. She needs support. She needs healing and she needs a community and a village. And we have forgotten about that. I mean, we have, we have women dying. We have women forgotten about. We have babies growing up without their mothers and it's just not appropriate. So I would change it. You're like, what wouldn't I change? (laughs) Well, I mean, especially when you look at other countries and just the, where the United States is in comparison to so many other advanced nations, you know, and other nations have it all right either, but there's a lot of ground that we need to cover here in the U S for sure. Okay. Christina, it's truth time. Oh boy. (laughs) What is your biggest struggle currently in your role as a mom? My biggest struggle, I think, especially right now is being able to, you know, cause my, my oldest is eight. So she's entering where she is starting to know about what's going on in the world. How, you know, how do we talk about mental health in a healthy way? How do we talk about it? I don't even know. Without scaring them. Yeah, I think that's where I'm struggling right now. Mm -hmm. You know, even with my own journey, I don't want to scare them, but we we need to talk about it. I don't want to. So, you know, where, where do we try to get that, you know, open communication and not being scared to talk about anything and everything and, you know, the mental health and yeah, you know, I don't, I don't think we do a good job as a society teaching parents how to talk about these things. Yeah. And I feel like you're really right at that age too, where you're trying to set the relationship up to go into the the preteen and adolescent phase and have an open line of communication. So it's like, it feels like a lot of pressure to get that open line of communication going. Yeah. Yeah. Because you grows into so much more communication. I mean, as they start to get older, then you have the body changes and then you have the drugs and alcohol and all of this stuff that you need to talk about. So yeah. Why weren't they born with manuals? I mean, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, Christina, you're doing such amazing work. We would love to have our moms know how to connect with you and find Cherish Mom. You're in Tennessee, but do you do work elsewhere? Tell us more. How can yeah. we find you? Yeah, absolutely. So we we are in East Tennessee. 
but with everything being virtual right now, we are virtual as well. All of our support groups right now are virtual. Uh, we're just waiting for the day we can go in person again, but I think a lot of our, even our specialty groups will probably remain virtual. So we are on all the social media platforms, mainly Facebook and Twitter and Instagram as cherishedmom.org is our handle. And our uh, website is cherishedmom.org. And our uh, email is info at cherishedmom.org. So you can connect with us in that way and feel free to reach out to us with any and all questions you may have. It's been such a wonderful time that we've shared with you and hearing your story, being so vulnerable is just, it's difficult, but I want you to know how great it was to hear it because it, it helps so many people. So we're really honored to have you here. Thank you for your time. Thank, Thank you. you for Thank you for having me. Wow. Christina's story is incredible and really forces you to stop and think about the ways our current system of care fails to adequately support mothers. Here's our three takeaways from our conversation with Christina. One, education is vital to new mothers. They need to be made aware of issues like postpartum depression, anxiety, and psychosis. Our society as a whole needs to do a better job letting new mothers know that these issues are urgent, that support and treatment are available. Organizations like Cherished Mom and Postpartum Support International are great places to start. Two, the education can't stop with mothers. Family members also need education on postpartum mental health. Many mothers may not recognize what is happening to them while they are in the thick of it. They need to have a solid support system in place that is educated on the signs and symptoms to look out for. Our society as a whole needs to improve the ways in which we screen for mental health issues. Three, many new moms experience intrusive thoughts, such as, what if I drop my baby? There is a fine line between postpartum OCD, postpartum psychosis, and even postpartum depression. While postpartum psychosis is extremely rare, one or two in a thousand will experience it. Perinatal mood and anxiety disorders affect up to 20% of women during pregnancy or after birth, making it the number one complication of childbirth. These are difficult topics we all need to be aware of, and it's long past time to erase the stigma that surrounds mental health issues in this country. High five, friends. We had so much fun with you. Be sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And don't forget to leave a review. We love hearing what you have to say. Until next time, stay true to you.